Welcome to the Inspiring Educators Podcast, a space where you can let go, learn, laugh, and be inspired. Let's first begin with introductions of our inspiring educators. Inspiring educators, introduce yourselves. Hey, everybody. Jake, get on my nerves. <laughs> this is Lila, the educator motivator, coming to you from Los Angeles. This is my sixth year teaching. I'm currently at an all-girls school. Um, I am a Math for America master teacher, as well as the regional coordinator for CPM for Los Angeles, as well as some other things. Um, every week we like to do a, what are you grateful for? Um, in education, sometimes we focus a lot on the negative and not enough on the positive. And so we want to also, you know, just take quick moments to say, you know, one thing that we feel like is really lifting our spirit. This week, I'm really grateful for networking and building relationships with people. So I've been, I've had the opportunity to talk to a lot of different people and make a lot of different connections. And it's, it's really been eye-opening the people that you can make connections with. And it's funny because I was watching this Amanda Seals comedy special and she said there was, might offend somebody right now, um, there's white people. And there's people who happen to be white and the people who happen to be white know how to use their privilege to help lift other people up. And that's been something that, you know, the people I've been connecting with have made it, you know, the forefront of their mission to be able to do that and kind of help me climb while they're climbing as well. So um, I've really been happy to kind of have that um, kind of brewing in the background. Your network increases your net worth. Come on. Great. Greetings once again, educators around the world. Coach Jay, Atlanta, Georgia, Jadrian Grimes. And that's my Twitter, at Jadrian Grimes. J-A-D-R-I-E-N-G-R-I-M-E-S. I spent 12 amazing years in the banking industry and since has transitioned to build a brand new career in youth, youth development and education. Um, what I'm grateful for this week, I'm grateful for three things, actually. My mentors, my mentees, and my heroes. I feel like they all come together in some shape, form, or facet. And at some time in your life, you should be all three to somebody. That's awesome. That's awesome. This is Dr. Christopher J. Childs, the academic rock star, a.k.a. your favorite teacher's favorite teacher. I'm a mathematics specialist trying to just change the world through mathematics to make, how can we use mathematics to make this world a better place? This week, I am grateful for all the black mathematicians that have come before me. I stand on the shoulders of giants in the field who have really opened the door for me to be in the 1% of black mathematics educators. I'm happy to be here. I'm proud. Yeah, I'm eternally grateful for what they have done. This week, we have another exciting hot topic. Why white school districts have so much more money. Hmm. And yes, I said that correct. Why do white school districts have so much more money? According to the nonprofit Ed Bill, non-white school districts get $23 billion less I think you all heard me. Non-white school districts get $23 billion less than white school districts despite serving the same number of students. 
For every student enrolled, the average non-white school district receives $2,226 less than a white school district, according to the report. Dang. The only thing separating these students is the color of their skin mm. and the zip code they live in. Mm. Nothing else. Mm. As we dive into this topic, why are the white schools getting more than the black and brown schools or school districts? So just to clarify for, you know, myself, as well as people listening, when we say white school districts, we're talking about school districts that serve a majority of white students, correct? Good job clarifying. Predominantly serving white students. Good clarification. Good Got clarification. it. Okay. Because, you know, we talk about people who are up in the district buildings and, you know, things of that nature. You know, education, unfortunately, in terms of the people who actually run it and the people who fuel it, you know, is still predominantly white. Um, So it's it's unfortunate. That's just, huh? I can give an example. Here's my here's my example, or here's where I'm I'm seeing this happening. At our school, we don't have an we don't have we only have one administrator um, because we're such a different school. So one of the parents is trying to host a walkathon to raise money. Um, it costs approximately $90,000 for us to get an assistant principal. So essentially the students, you know, sign up, raise money. We currently have already raised $20,000. And I'm like, what? That's crazy. <laughs> like, I don't understand where it's coming from. And I asked her, she said, you know, the teacher next door to me, she said her advisory just one girl alone has raised $1,700. And I said, well, how? She said, she's got a well-off aunt and uncle. They're retired. They have nothing else to do with their money. They just willing to donate it and give it away. Of course, we're talking about a white student. The people, the parents of the students in those areas have careers and, and jobs that end up fueling the education system, I feel like that's part of it. They put a lot of their money and they invest into the school, whereas opposed to brown and black students, you know, our parents are working multiple jobs and that's maybe covering it, right? Um, Where they don't have the funds to give back and put into the school. But then additionally, we talk about people who go out there and advocate for these school districts. Uh, People are constantly giving. There's always an increase in the funds or the budget for these schools that already have, which doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> you know, I asked myself that driving or somebody was, actually, no, it was you, Chris, at your talk, when you talked about um, at CMC South, when you mentioned that in the more affluent areas that the cost of, I think it was, was it gas or electricity or the gas bill, something of the sort. Electricity. Electricity, utility, utility bills was actually less in more affluent areas, even though they got more money. So they're charging people who are poor, who make less, more money, even though they got less. Like it just ends up being this whole systematic thing that makes it really, it's really hard for me to wrap my mind around, but I have that one example as kind of a reference to go, wow, I see that people are able to put money into these schools where there are, you know, white parents of white students. It, it, it seems to me like it's, um, we kind of hit on this a little earlier. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's just like every other industry, banking, insurance, 
sports, agriculture, it's all the same. I mean, it's, it's likely when you talked about the advocating piece, who, who's doing the advocating for the non-white students in school? Mm-hmm. Like who's actually doing the advocating? What layers of leadership, who are we voting for? You know, who are we putting in the positions to do the advocating? You know, mm-hmm. you, you mentioned parents. You know, some of the parents that are in undeserved, underserved communities, I guess, uh, which is where a lot of these schools are, are located, obviously, you know, what are they doing? You know, if, if they're speaking up, who's listening? Um, $23 billion? Like, I just, that's an astronomical, stati- I mean, who, and then we have the, I guess, the predominantly white institutions, our brothers and sisters there, are any of them stepping up to say, hey, maybe it should be an equal playing field or maybe it should be a little better over there? Obviously not, because they're not really concerned about that segment of the country or school. They're just concerned about theirs, right? But let's be honest. If you're rich or well off, do you truly care about the quote unquote poor kid? Do you care about the quote unquote kids that's still on the other side of the track? Or are you more concerned with making sure you and your kids in the affluent area have more? And what you see a lot of is I call it the hand-me-down syndrome. You'll go over to the poor side of town. Hey, I give them a couple of books. They need these used books of these. I give them a couple of dollars. But never trying to address the systematic problem that exists here in this society as it relates to students receiving a high-quality education regardless of the zip code you live in. I think that's the realness in it all. I mean, you hit on it. Like the majority rich, wealthy people, they're not concerned with any other demographic or any other area of town or this country outside of theirs. But why would you be? Let's let's play devil's advocate. Why would you be concerned if you're well off? And let's say you're in the top, was it 1%? You had $400,000 a year. You're well Mm -hmm. off. Why would you be concerned with the other 99%? And take your, in my opinion, in your opinion, why would you be concerned if you're in the top 1%? I mean, it, it would be innately in me to care. I mean, just because I want um, everyone to have great opportunities and be afforded a great education and for it to be somewhat of an even playing field, I guess, if you will, especially on that level of, of school. But that's just me. But you want it because of your lived cultural experience mm-hmm. and you understanding yeah. what it's like. Yeah. Put yourself in the shoes of a person who has been affluent their entire lives, in privilege their entire lives, and they have literally no conception of what it's like to be poor. A li- I'm saying a lived experience, not something they read in a book or heard about. Mm-hmm. They don't have the lived experiences to make sense of it nor do they truly authentically try to make sense of it. There's, there's no way. I mean, if I, if my skin was a different color and that's how I had lived my entire life, I couldn't imagine why, unless I was involved in education and I understood education and all, in all of its aspects and from, you know, different perspectives, I don't think that there would be a reason for me to care. 
you know, like just, just because I'm literally in my box <laughs> of, of privilege over here. I'm in my box of privilege where I drive my nice car. I live in my nice home. Everything gets paid. I don't have any struggles, you know, or my struggles look different than the struggles of people who are in um, lower, lower income areas. I would have no reason to think about like my child goes to one of the top high schools in the entire state. Would reason what I have to think about the the lowest performing 20 schools across the state. Why why would I think about that? That there will be no reason for that to be on my radar unless somebody puts it on my radar. So let's think about it from the affluent lens or just in America, the two entities that I think everyone experiences at some level at some point. Everyone experiences school at some level at some point. Everyone experiences a church or religious institution at some level or at some point. So using those two as catalysts for my, my thoughts right now, whether it's a school, church, or religious institution, do they teach people to truly care and make a difference? What do I mean? Think about what is being taught in schools. Are students being taught to really care about someone who does not look like them act like them or have the same socioeconomic status as them. In religious institutions, are they being taught to care? And when I say care, not, oh, I understand, I, you know, I care, but care as in actions and to make changes and difference. So those two institutions, school or religious institutions, are they being taught to change society? Because everybody goes through them at some point in their lives. Are they being taught to change societies? Or are they being taught to just Understand. Are they teaching people to be a part of the system and just say, play your role in the system? I mean, that will require for people to have culturally relevant curriculum and, and agendas that they're pushing, that you understand what, what it means. Like, <laughs> like you, you would have to have such a deep sense of what it means to be someone else or what other people from other cultures have been through to be able to push that within your classroom and really understand it and and not only just understand it but that means that you have to be a part of the system that's changing it so you can't just stand up in front of your classroom and say hey i'm pushing this this is what i believe that you know you all should do like you have to be an example and if all those teachers were examples if all those if, if that's what was happening we wouldn't be having this conversation but why would I change a system from the affluent mindset that's set up for me, my family, my kids, 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 kids to win? Why would I truly want to change this system? It's, it's working for me. So do I really care about changing it? And we're, and we're still in the context of schools. Do I really care about making black and brown and poor kids school situations better? We have to take it to, I mean, an individual level. I mean, naturally, right? If if the kids or the adults or whoever, if they never lived or even if they don't care, I think it's it's something that I guess potentially has to be innately in you to want to do something. I guess thinking from from both lenses, um, like I mean, Bill and Melinda Gates, they do stuff. You know, they're the wealthiest, one of the wealthiest couples in the world. But uh, from what I know, 
you know, they give back to to undeserved schools. I mean, they grew up, came up one way, but yet at the, in the same token, they feel like, you know what? We need to do a little bit more for over here or over there. Um, maybe if more individuals would do research and thought like that, just to say, hey, let's lend a helping hand. Again, I just think it's something that it's a personal thing. It has to be innately in you to want to lend a hand. Not saying you have to do it because this is a free enterprise. We live in a free enterprise society, right? So I just think it's, it's, it's a personal thing. I can see it being personal, but here's what I think. You should want everybody to win if only from the lens that one day them winning could benefit you. So if it means that I help or I, I, I have an agenda to make sure that I'm assisting not just the school that my son or daughter attends, but all of the schools that we're making sure that they're all up to par, that they all have resources they're all getting, you know, equal funds. I don't know who's in that school that because of lack of resources isn't being turned on to science or math in a way that they could potentially change the world. So if even if because again we were saying why would I care? Even if you look at it from a selfish viewpoint, I could be caring more just based on the fact that somebody in there might be the next person to do something that could then in turn, help benefit me or my life or my, my kids or change, change the way I live for the better. But as we think about this system, I saw this quote and I'm going to read it. The, the elite don't want an enlightened population. The most fundamental attack on freedom is attack on critical thinking skills. Governments don't want a well-informed well-educated people of critical thinking that is against their interests. Hmm. <laughs> he might drop, Mike drop. I'm like, you don't want. It's, it's the system of, um, you know, we need billionaires. It's levels, right? We need billionaires. But do we really need them? We need millionaires. Let me finish. We need um, higher middle Americans. We need middle Americans. We need lower middle Americans. Just like we need Google, Facebook. But you also want to go to McDonald's every now and then and get a burger. You need somebody to come pick up the trash. That's what it is. That's free. That's enterprise. Mm. And that quote just summed up what he just said. Everybody can't be everything. You have to have the different layers in order for society, I guess, to work together as one unit, I guess, if you will. And a lot of that onus falls on the individuals. But I'll let Lila go. I, I, I was going to say, but does that mean that they have to be deprived of education that helps them develop their critical thinking skills and their ability to contribute to society in a way just because I need a McDonald's to exist? doesn't mean that the people that work there have to be dumb or illiterate or, or you're not having received an education. They could still have received those things. And then the, in turn, we know what that means. That means that McDonald's is no longer a McDonald's. It's something else. It's something bigger than that because the people that work there see that this as a whole isn't working. Uh, again, if everybody can, uh, can have that opportunity to develop in that way, 
it changes our society as a whole. We can still have somebody picking up the trash, but somebody's learning how the system of picking up the trash is, you know, being developed in a way that's way better than what we got right now, you know? And that's the thing. We have to give everybody that high quality, authentic opportunity. I agree. We need workers. We need leaders. We need both. Mm -hmm. We can't be the judge and the jury to say, hey, you're poor. You're the worker. Period. We have to be Mm. the person to say, no matter what you are, when you're, Malta King said this, no matter where you are born in the country, whether you're black, brown, white, or indifferent, you have the same opportunities in this country. That's what equality is about. And then Martin Luther King talked more about not even equality. He talked more about, let me correct myself, freedom. That's what we need to be fighting for, freedom for everybody in this country. And then at the end of the day, when you're born into a free society, you've done the best that you could. You've gotten the best that you can. If you choose to work at McDonald's, you chose to work at McDonald's. There's nothing wrong with that. If you chose to own a McDonald's, there's nothing wrong with that. But at the end of the day, since the system does not make that choice for you, you make a choice based upon the knowledge that you have within you. Final thoughts with this particular topic. And to bring it back full circle, why do white school districts have so much more money as you wrap up your final thoughts? I, I think that, you know, you, you said it earlier, is that it, it stunts the, the development of a lot of people when we don't give them those resources. It stunts their their ability to think and to contribute and problem solve, you know, when we don't have those resources. It, which then, of course, creates those levels, like Jay was saying, where we have the billionaires, we have a million, you know, we have those people who are in the 1%. I think that if, you know, that wasn't happening, we wouldn't be creating that 1% would very slowly but surely diminish. So we have to start thinking about how do we not just benefit or, or work towards helping the people within our circle you know, or the people that just look like us, how do we work towards making sure that we're helping everybody or there we're, you know, putting things in place so that everybody can grow? Yeah, um, certain demographics have uh, gained inheritances um, that others have not, and it's stuck from from generation to generation to generation. And, uh, you know, hopefully, prayerfully, you know, at some point, um, these undeserved communities can uh, potentially continue to grow, come up to par, not necessarily saying you have to reach that, but how can we, you know, create a model where we get the equal education, I guess, or um, the greatest education that one can get, you know, whether it's K through 12 or, or wherever, you know, it's just a lot, a lot of different variables that we don't have enough time to talk about, unfortunately. I'm going to challenge our listeners. It's time to change the system. It's not time to figure out what's going on, what's the problem. You know what the problem is. Do something tomorrow, do something today to change the system for the better because your ultimate fear is that somebody burns the system down. And that's why we want a lot of people instill fear in people. But you don't have to have that fear if you change it to make it better and change it to make it be what you say it's going to be. So as we think about that, we're going to transition to this inspirational moment. And I know Jay is going to bring it from down under, deep down under, as we try to just not even wrap up, but we just started this conversation with the 
inequitable schooling, especially as it relates to funding. So, Jay, what what do you have for our listeners to inspire them to keep them going? Just a, a, a lot of different thoughts, man. Um, I don't know why this this topic just, you know, it kind of turned me up and just had me going in a lot of different directions. And I was sitting here like, you know, you know, what am I going to say? What, what am I going to talk about or whatever? And um, the scripture stood out to me, um, Hosea 4 and 6. Uh, my people are destroyed from a lack of knowledge. What do I mean by that? Like, it's certain stuff that we don't know. We haven't grasped certain concepts going forward. We just talked about $23 billion less in non-white institutions. Think about it. My people are destroyed from a lack of knowledge. What do they know? that we don't know what did they do that we didn't do think about it i think that's where it all starts how many of us are going to step to the plate who's going to want to enact the change you know i talked about um you know some of the more wealthy and affluent people potentially you know i guess lending a helping hand or whatever and the flip side of that is you know why should they but it looks like if, if we don't do it, if enough of us don't step to the plate in some of these areas, because me personally, though, that's a lot of my people. Like, that's a lot of my family. You know, that's a lot of my friends that I grew up with are in, in some of these areas where, you know, the public school looks totally different from the private school. That's just what it is. But when are we going to step to the plate and say, you know, who we're electing? You know, who are we putting in roles? What are we going to do for our families, for our lineage, so that our cousins and, and, and children and grandkids or great-grandchildren potentially can have an even greater education than we had? Who's going to do that? You know, I started off by saying, you know, the three things I was grateful for, uh, my mentors that I have in my life, my mentees that I mentor, and heroes and i said that at some area of your life you need to be all three to somebody let's multiply that generations and generations over and let's start there and see if that helps so i have a lot of different thoughts it's a lot of different ways i could have went with this hopefully that made sense hopefully it resonated with someone but look at that scripture though hosea 4 is not a long uh chapter read it but the sixth verse, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. That's what's bringing us down. We don't know enough. We don't do enough. And we're not trying to attain enough. That needs to change. Yeah, you said a lot there. You said it. Thank you. Thank you, Jay. This has been the Inspiring Educators Podcast. We thank each and every one of our listeners for tuning in and what you do. We'll be back with the next episode. Make sure you check us out. But we're about to change the system. That's why we started this podcast. We're about to change this thing. So we O-U-T. See you next time. Mm -hmm. Watch out. <laughs> Bye. See y'all. Make school ch fun again. Put that on hat. Okay. That's new. Blue hat. <laughs> That's new. <laughs>